0: Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. All right. Good morning, everybody. Hope you guys are doing well. Pastor Anthony is camping. And so with that being the case, um, you got me this morning. Um, He'll be back next week, kind of last minute things before school start, uh, because that is quickly approaching. And so he spent some much needed time with his family. Hey, listen, I love my kids. And I feel like I should preface that before I tell you this next story. Um, I do, I do. I love my children. Um, I love my children so much. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 6 if you want to take, uh, take a turn there in your Bibles. I love my kids. I do, I do. And so one of the things is is that, uh, you know, one of the things, that you, when you get married and you, you go, man, like I love, I love having babies. It's so great. My wife's pregnant with our fourth, and, and that's going to be in October, and we're so excited. It'll be a little girl, so pretty, and great bows and everything. love and it. Dresses, it's going to be great. But sometimes listen, you you work all week and, and you go, man, it's a weekend. We're we're so excited, we're gonna have fun as a family, we're gonna play inside like hide-and-seek, and we're going to play Nerf War, because if you go outside, immediately burned, immediately burned, because it's so hot, and it's terrible, and you can't walk outside, and so uh, you're going to have all this fun, you're going to have all these fun things, but then you know what happens? One of the glorious things about having kids is bedtime, and and listen, we love bedtime, you know, you go through bedtime, and you have this sweet time where you, like, you pray over your kids, you're like, God, God would you save them at a young age, and God, would you be with their future spouse, if God, if they are to be married, God, would you just, be? and you pray these prayers, and you take up an offering, uh, and you, like, do all this kind of stuff, with your kids, and you read the Bible with them, and it's great. And you know what you want to do? The thing, the whole reason you got married, so you watch Lord of the Rings with your wife in bed, and you go sit there, and we sit down, and we watch Lord of the Rings. That's what we want to do. It's taken us a year to watch the first one. I want to watch the second one. And listen, I have all the swords and stuff. I'm totally nerd out. I'm like, this is great orcs and stuff. Like I'm watching this thing. I'm so excited. Two towers. And I'm sitting there, and I'm so excited. But here's what I believe happened right before bed. I believe my three children, with my daughter being the ringleader of them, I believe they huddled up, and they said this. Here's what we're going to do. Mom and dad, they definitely want to watch this movie that we're not allowed to watch because it's kind of scary. Here's what we're going to do. Ellis, you're the youngest. Here's what I need you to do. You're going to be in the crib. I need you to set your internal clock. I know you didn't nap a lot, so I need you to take a while to fall asleep, but when you do, an hour. Give yourself an hour. I need you to wake yourself up violently convulsing and screaming in inaudible language, okay? I need you to be, I need you to be so loud. You wake up everybody. And I need you to scream. And then when dad comes in, that's not the guy you want. So scream, revolt. I mean, go on strike. Go, call your mother. Yes, force the pregnant one to get up out of bed, leave her Twizzlers behind, and make her way to, to the other side of the house to take care of you. And once that happens, hey, wait about 40 minutes Remember, it's a three-hour movie. We've got plenty of time. Uh, wait about 40 minutes. And then we're going to need Ezra. Buddy, we love you. You're adorable. You sleep in a little sleep sack. We don't know why going to be one of those things, 14, still sleeping in that thing, and man, we love you, we love you so much, buddy, you're so cute, best sleeper we got will just put himself to bed, but here's what I need you to do, I need you to fall out of bed about 40 minutes after Alice wakes up, I need you to fall, now, you will be falling on nice carpet, I need you to pretend like you're falling into a pit of vipers, and I need you to scream and be inconsolable for just a few moments, okay, I want you to scream so loud that the neighbors call the police, whatever we need to do, and we need you to do that. And then Quinn looks and says, guys, here's what I'm going to do so that this mission can be complete and we can destroy their night. Here's what we want to do, okay? Um, I'm going I'm to dress in a cute dress. It'll be the fourth one I put on. I love it, and it's going to be the fourth one. It'll be my sleep dress because I need to impress people while I sleep. But secretly, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to grab um, fleece pajamas. I know it's summer, and it's 117 degrees outside. I'm going to grab fleece pajamas. I'm going to put them in my, 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 under my covers, and I'm going to change into those because I want to wear fleece Christmas pajamas are two sizes too small. And I want to wear those because that is who I am. And then what I'm going to do is, in about 30 minutes, I'm going to become so hot and sweaty that I cannot function anymore. I'm going to wake up disoriented, covered in sweat, and I'm going to call for you because I'm going to say, I'm sick. Listen, dad's going to come in here, you going to think I'm sick. Not sick, just sweaty. And I mean, that's what we're going to do. That's why it, this time next year, I'll tell you how the Second Lord of the Rings went with me and my wife. Because it, I mean, it just happens, doesn't it? You think you're at the end. Like, you think you're at the end of the day, and it's been so good and difficult and great, and I love, remember, I love my kids. And you get there, and you go, man, this is time. And then all of a sudden, your children, with everything they've got, knowing that bedtime is near, they will revolt, and they will throw everything they've got at you. Welcome to Nehemiah chapter 6. <laughs> Welcome to Nehemiah chapter 6. Uh, very similar, okay? Uh, we've seen this. And we've seen this that Nehemiah's been working through, and he, he had this great vision, he had this great burden for uh, the city of Jerusalem and the walls that were torn down. He knew that God was sovereign in all of this and that, and that God had a plan for this, even in the midst of chaos. And it, it, it led to great burden. And that great burden led to him praying and going, God, would you, would you rebuild the wall? God, would you use me? He would go and he would pray for four months. And you assemble a team, families and individuals and groups to come together and, and start to build on this wall. Knowing that with great spiritual activity, man, some dark spiritual activity comes. And the, and the adversary does not like what we do. But we're near the end. And there is a great movement of God on the horizon. Man. God desi- desires not just to move through his people, but in his people, ultimately stirring them for the glory of God among all the peoples of the world. And When you get close, I mean, listen, I, I got to go to Isaiah 117's house, uh, their ribbon cutting ceremony last Sunday. It was so sweet. I mean, going through that house was incredible. I cannot wait for what that's going to do for Sevier County. It's just going to be, man, it's so wonderful. I remember going and seeing that ribbon cutting. It was so great secretly, I, want to, I, I can't wait for us to build a new building because I just want to, I want to cut a ribbon. It's been kind of my lifelong dream is to cut a ribbon. And, and so uh, I see them getting ready, and they have it all out, and the DJ's out. Listen, that's where they're at in the building of the wall of Nehemiah. Man, they're so close. Man, they're almost there. They got the ribbon all out, and they've got the giant scissors from, from wherever you get giant scissors from, and you have that. I mean, they've got the DJ out playing some slow music, kind of getting people, they got hot dogs and stuff, they got snow, they got everything right because they're almost done. But it's in these moments, and it's not often in our lowest of lows, but it's often when we're when we're so close to completing what God had called us to do. When we're so close that the enemy goes, it's now or never. We gotta throw every single thing we got at him. Man, it's now or never. If not now, then the, the thing, the work of God is gonna be complete. A movement of God's gonna be started or it's gonna continue. We've got to now. All of our other attempts have failed, let's throw everything at them. And this is where we're at in Nehemiah chapter six. Opens up like this. Nehemiah six one tells us that. Now when Sanbalt and Tobiah and Geshem, these guys, back at it. And the rest of our enemies. So they have not just these three, they have more enemies. Heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it. Although, remember, it's almost done because uh, it did not have gates or doors yet. And they're so close. And the enemy sees that they're on the precipice of this great thing that's going to ignite a great, uh, a great moment of worship and a great turning to the Lord. Man, they just rebel with everything they've got. And the enemy is so crafty and so cunning the enemy will do whatever it takes to stop the work of God. And we're going to see three ways that the enemy does this today. Not just because we're Baptists, but three ways. Now, they do all start with the same letter, but it's not a big deal. We have three ways that we're going to see the enemy work today. And I want you to pay attention. I want you to take note. And hey, listen, if you're one of those who just come here and go, hey, listen, I'm going to passively listen, then I'm going to leave, man, you're going to waste your time today. You have three things. And if we, do not, if we are not careful of this, the enemy will work in the very same ways this week and you will be disabled and paralyzed for the cause of Christ and you will be unable to make much of Jesus this week because the enemy is crafty man. So what is one of the first ways that the enemy comes after Nehemiah when he's on the precipice of this great work being completed? Well, we see this. The enemy will try to distract you. That's what they try to do. The enemy tries to distract us. We see this in the story of Nehemiah, where it says this Sambal and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together in Hakapherim in the plain of Ono. Ono. Oh, uh, but they intended to do me harm. Here's one of the things I see right here. I love Ono. I mean, if I could title this anyways. Okay, so Sam Bout and Geshem, they bring this messenger and they say, let's come, let us meet together. This language, I want you to understand this. This is not inflammatory. This is not like this angry thing where he should have been suspicious. This like, hey man, let's, let's get coffee. I come, I come to Ono, come to Plain on of Ono. Let's get, there's a great coffee shop there. Let's sit and let's talk, okay? Let's just get, get whatever you want, man. It's on me. Well, let's just sit down and talk. We need to talk this thing over. And hey, congratulations. I know you're near the end. Hey, let's just come together and let's talk together. And, and he calls them. This is what I, I love about Nehemiah is that he says this, but they intended to do me harm. The messenger didn't tell him, hey, they intended to do you harm. He was able to see that. He says this, and I, and I sent a messenger back to them saying, uh, I am doing a great work and I, I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and then come down to you? And I love this, that the enemy is persistent. And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered in the same manner. I want you to understand that the enemy desires to distract you. I mean, the enemy desires to distract you. And distractions come in all shapes and sizes. Listen, most common, right here, okay? Uh, Now, listen, some of you in this room, you don't have email because you refuse to get it. Thank you hard to talk to you, but listen, we're so thankful for it. Hey, some of you still have flip phones. Thank you. You are not, you're not uh, trapped by this thing right here. And you go, listen, most of the time, these distractions don't just come out and say, hey, I'm a distraction. Now, the one, just listen, the one that does have an apple with a bite taken out of it probably should have given us some kind of heads up. Hey, this may not be a good idea, but we all bought it, okay? And so we all missed it, never thought about it anyways. uh, And so, Listen, distractions come in all shapes and sizes. And the very same thing was happening in Nehemiah when he's on the present. He's almost done. Hey man, listen, you've been doing this for far too long. Man, you've been working for some 50 something days. Man, you've man, your heart's been so heavy. Why don't you hey, listen, why don't you just come? Dude, why don't you just come with me to, to Ono? Just come over here. Don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Man, just take a break. Just take a break. And Nehemiah knows this. And and Nehemiah defends himself and was able to overcome what would have been a great distraction. How? By just being good enough? No. He was able to do it because he was discerning. Discernment is what we use to defend ourselves against distractions. Nehemiah was able to look and, and to see with godly discernment what was going on. He was able to really discernment, being able to read between the lines. Discernment is the ability to judge matters according to the view of God and not according to outward appearances. Because for this, it could have seemed like a really nice vacation. Maybe just good necessary rest that he needed to take. But if he would have done this without using discernment, he would have fallen not only into physical death, but it would have been the death of the vision and probably the death of the walls. So with great discernment, he looks and he sees, he takes into account the situation that seems good, but with great discernment, he's able to perceive it as what it is, a trap. So we have to understand that we can't just take everything by its outward appearance. First Samuel tells us that the, For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord is the very source of discernment, and so we should walk in the same way. Now listen, you may confuse discernment with being a jerk or cynical all the time or negative all the time. That is not the case. People who walk and live in light of uh, this and, and kind of have this discerning look over everything that they have, every situation, and they walk with this wisdom and discernment from the Lord are the very same people who can find the good when everybody else sees the bad. But are the people who can find the bad when on outward appearances it seems to be good? And it was through this discernment that the distractions did not have the opportunity to take hold. We have to remember this. Because the enemy is going to distract us in so many ways. Sometimes the enemy distracts us with good things. It's not always with um, pornography or, 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 or affairs. or. Sometimes it's good things. Listen, I love my wife and my kids. But sometimes the enemy will mess with me, and even my own self will elevate my wife and children to a place that they don't belong. To say, I love them more than I love Jesus. That's not right. Sometimes I'll be so distracted that I will fill my calendar up with things. Good things. Ministry things. Church things. Where I'm I'm constantly going and doing and before too long I've missed Jesus or I've, I've reappropriated him to a different spot into our life and put him into a different place that he should not be, does not belong. The enemy wants to distract us. Because here's what we know. If the enemy can distract God's people, then he has won. If we can start majoring in minor things, making small things major things, instead of minoring uh, and, and minoring on major things, making the big, important things that we believe insignificant, we've lost our effectiveness for the work of the Lord. To be honest, I, l- I love this quote um, by John Mark Comer. Great book, "The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry." The ruthless elimination of hurry. The rock. I'm telling you, Rocky World is great. You gotta buy it. Um, he says this: What you give your attention to is the person you become. Put another way, the mind is the portal to the soul and what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. If the enemy can distract you and cause you to give your attention to someone else or something else, then he has one. And so when you and I, to, de- to defeat distractions in our lives, we must look at everything with a discerning heart to see where it is, what it truly is. Listen, and you've got to be skeptical. And I always tell people, you need to be most skeptical of yourself. I do not trust Dominic as far as I can throw him. I don't. Listen, I know me. I know me. Listen, I know what me outside of Jesus looks like and acts like. And so, listen, when Dominic's like, hey, you know what, I'm just going to sleep in today. You know what, I'm just going to get on my phone for a little bit. No. Because you know what happens? You are, f- listen, you get on your phone for just a second. I'm skeptical of every time Dominic picks up his phone. Why? Because about 40 minutes later, you've watched so many people fall. Because that's one of your favorite videos to watch is people falling down or getting stuck in things. Listen, when chunky people get stuck in holes and stuff, man, it's one of my favorite, and slides. Listen, you get, you get, you get chunky people in slides at the Chick-fil-A or the Walmart or the wherever, or the McDonald's, and you get them stuck in slide. I can't, man, I'm, you got me. Okay? Listen, I love watching people fall down. Not get hurt. You know, you know what I'm saying. Like funny falls. And so I think it's one of the things, and, and when I'm telling you, when cats get scared by cucumbers, I mean, it got me. I Meaning, it just has me. And I'm just sitting there going, yes, more, more. And all of a sudden, I become ineffective for the gospel because I've been watching cats. And so we got to be careful because distractions loom around every corner. And if you're not careful, you have found that not just in a moment, but a week, then a month, and then a year goes by, and you've been ineffective for the gospel. You've wasted your time on things that do not matter in eternity. I and mean, we've, we've got to be quick to kill distractions in our lives. And that's only going to happen when you and I know what we, we know and we constantly assess every situation and moment with discernment to see how it matches up with the Lord. So not only in discernment, if the enemy cannot distract you, the enemy will seek to defame you. The enemy will seek to defame you. We see this in Nehemiah chapter 6. It goes on to say, In the same way, Sambalot for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. I mean, listen, the enemy is persistent. And he's sending an open letter in his hand. Listen to this. Uh, so back in the day, if you were to send a, uh, a letter to a, uh, a governor of an area, one of the things you would do is you would always keep that tightly rolled and you'd have a seal on it. And then that seal would be broken by the governor or the person they would choose to read it. And when they would do it, was was how you did it officially. But when you send an open letter, when you see open letter, I need you to think very viral Facebook post, okay? I need you to think tweet, all right? It's open for everybody to see. And they want everybody to see it, okay? Uh, they want everybody to see it. So if you ever try to do business, like somebody like really hurts you and you try to do it over Facebook posts, like I remember when you really hurt me. This is what you're doing, okay? And so, it sends an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshem. How in the world is this not just 2022? This is how you do stuff. This is how every bit of gossip ever gets started. This is every bit of slander gets started. Every single lie and false report. It was reported among the nations. I saw, I heard it said, well, somebody told me. And then who else are you going to quote? Like the worst the worst uh, source you could possibly quote, Geshem, the dude has been part of this whole deal the whole time? And so you just pick bad information, false information, you don't even give a source. And so he goes, "Uh, it's been reported, saw it on Facebook, and also heard it from Geshem, who he's been lying his whole life, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah and now the king will hear of these reports. So now, come and let us take counsel together. Now at first I was just going to invite you to Oh No and we were going to have coffee and it was going to be great. But I want you to know really what's going on is I've got these reports that you're trying to rebel and become king. And listen, I'm just telling you, I'm going to be honest with you and I, I don't want to do this because Nehemiah, you know I love you. But, these reports are going to get back to the king, thinking that you're, going to be, you're wanting to be king, and the king has loved you. You remember that king, Artaxerxes, who loved you. and has Man, you were his cut bearer, and now he's done all this for you, and you're going to rebel. Man, I would hate to see what happens when he hears this. So why don't you come and meet with me? And I love what Nehemiah says. Then I said to him, saying, No such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. I love this. Verse 9, for they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. Listen to this. The enemy's going to come at you and he's going to try to defame you in some way, shape, or form. Because if he cannot distract you, he's going to destroy your character. And he's going to destroy your reputation in some way, shape, or form. Uh, sometimes and oftentimes what this does, and this is man, the case of, say you're a teacher, you're a student, or uh, you're an administrator who's going into a school this next semester and trying to make much of Jesus. you know, I try to encourage our students to do that. We talked at the end of last, this past semester, and I, had, I said, hey, raise your hand if your school looks more like Jesus as a result of you being in it. We had like two kids raise their hand. One of the kids was homeschooled. And I was like, thank you. And my kids are homeschooled so I can make the joke, okay? I can make the joke. And so, uh, let's, and so I tried to, trying to train our students throughout the summer to how, to how do you make an impact for Jesus in your schools? But one of the great things is, one, yes, they're going to be distracted like nobody's business. But also one of the things that happens is that they go in and, and teachers and, and even administrators and, and students go in to take the gospel to their lost friends where the gospel is not. And make much of Jesus. And what the enemy does is this. The enemy will bring up, and t- tell me, this is not the guy. The, the enemy will bring up past mistakes. And go, so, wait. You, <laughs> okay. So you're going to go, and you're going to tell the gospel to these people? You're going to share Jesus? You're going to love people like Jesus? Do you know what you did? Do you not remember what you did? Do you not remember how you were last semester, or a year ago, or two years ago? Do you not remember, teacher or administrator, how you were when you walked these halls? And you're gonna to about to come tell us to follow Jesus? And the enemy just comes at you with everything it's got. If not, he's gonna use somebody else or use something else. And he's or it's just gonna be in the deep recesses of your mind where he just whispers lies and accusatory things over you that are not true. He's gonna bring back things that Jesus has already died for and cleansed away by the power of his blood. And he's going to try to defame you in any way, shape, or form. How in the world do we combat that? It's 2022. If you can say something passionately enough, if you can say something loud enough, it is basically truth. How in the world do we combat this? How did Nehemiah do it? Did he make a 15-point PowerPoint or go and give this great, uh, this great long uh, speech on his social media? No, rather, what he did was this. He understood what they were doing. He knew that it wasn't true. and He said, listen, what you're saying is lies. He basically rebuked it and said, hey, listen, this is lies and this is not true. He understood that all they wanted to do was for them to stop their work. And what did he do? He said, oh God, strengthen my hands. His greatest defense against the defaming words of the enemy was to deepen his dependence on the Lord. All the more to dig in and say, God, I cannot do this. Because I know, and I know myself, if I get away from you, that is who I will be. I want to to strengthen my dependence on you. I need you. Oh, Lord, I need you. Strengthen God. I need you more than ever before. The enemy desires to distract you, and then he desires to defame you to a point where you are useless for the gospel. You are useless for the very vision and, and, and burden God has given you for your family, your marriage, your workplace, your school, wherever it is. He's going to use every ounce of his words and his lies, and he's a great liar. But we must become, and when those moments come, deepen our dependence. Not just for a great big work, but sometimes. And listen, have you not been there where you just feel it every moment, every hour? like Without Jesus in this moment, I don't know how I can take another breath. That's the kind of dependence we need on Jesus. For the work, the calling, that's far too great for us to do on our own. The enemy will come at you. He will seek to distract you. If he can't do that, he will defame you. And then finally, if he cannot do that, he will resort to deceive you. He will seek to deceive you in any way that he possibly can. And he does so in ways that are cunning. I mean, the way the enemy works, you'll wake up, listen, how many of us in the room is this, where you do something, all of a sudden, you wake up and you, you're walking with Jesus, and then the next thing you know, you have been so far from Jesus. The Bible, you haven't touched it, you haven't prayed, you haven't spent any time with Jesus, and you go, How did I get here? The deception of the enemy is so powerful. We see this. That Nehemiah, he would go in to talk to the prophet who was confined to his room. And he said, Listen, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. And listen to this. And let us close the doors to the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. And look what happens. But I said to them, "Should such a man as I run away, and what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in." Here is one of the things that happens. To Nehemiah. He is. He is told, "Hey, listen. The enemy is going to kill you. Here is what we need to do. Let's go into the temple. Let's go into the temple." And why don't we close the doors and why don't we lock ourselves away in our little safe space in the temple? No harm's gonna come to you. Now, it will cause you to have to quit laying bricks on the wall, but if you just do this, it'll be easier. Uh, Listen, there's no hard work in this. I mean, listen, you don't have to lay another brick and you're gonna be safe. There's no risk. What they were calling him to is to persuade Nehemiah into an easygoing, compromising religion that shirks persecution, and that will carry no cross, and that's governed by fear and opinions of others. The enemy decides to deceive you and is saying, no, "No, no, listen, listen. I, I know God may call you and give you a great burden for some." I think of Isaiah one seventeen house this past week. I mean, I was just blown away by. I got to bring them up again. That they have a great burden to see those on the, children who are taken from their family and put into foster care on the worst day. To have a place where they can be loved, lavishly loved and to be cared for, so the worst day could make, be made, maybe be made a little bit better. The enemy wanted to deceive them, and, and time and time again, the enemy wanted to come after them. Praise God, they did not buy into the deception of the enemy, who says this, No, listen, I, I want you to understand, it's okay if you, if you live how you want to live, I'm, I, know I, I know Jesus saved you, but listen, you can live a little bit worldly, it's fine. The max that Jesus desires from you, he saved you. Now, listen, you go to church. An active church member now statistically is one Sunday a month. Man, you go twice a month. Man, you're killing it. Man, you know the words to the songs because you maybe listen to it on radio. Great job, man. man you're, you're going way far beyond what Jesus had wanted for you in the first place. Go, no, hey, go and make disciples. Go pat, push back darkness in your schools, taking the good news of the gospel, living away and, and taking into your, your, uh, going into your jobs and your workplaces and, and praying for and, 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 and preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel and living radically different from the world around us. No, no, don't do that. Hey, just go to church. Hey, come lock yourself in. Let, let all your, your spiritual life be locked in these doors. You don't ever have to get hurt. You never have to to worry about rejection when people hate the God that you share the gospel about. You don't ever have to fail over a big burden that God's given you. You don't ever have to face that persecution. God would never want you to feel that way. God desires for you to be locked up in here. God desires for you never to be sick. God desires for you never to be poor. God desires for you never to hurt or struggle. Just stay, lock yourself in here. Here's what Nehemiah knew, that he was not a priest, and to lock himself in the temple would be to desecrate the temple. And and it would show to everybody else that he was not serious about the calling of God on his life. And here's the thing that helped Nehemiah. It was the truth that helped Nehemiah continue when the deception of the enemy came at him with everything they've got. It was literally, death is coming for you, lock yourself in. Many of us would freak out if somebody asked us another question about the Bible that wasn't in our track that we had. I I don't know about that. No, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. I'm done. I'm done. What if they ask me a question? I don't know. Nehemiah said this, you have tried to distract me, you have tried to defame me, and now you are trying to deceive me. But the Jesus, the Lord that I know, the God that I know, the God that I serve, I know him. I know his truth. I will not be deterred. And he was able to overcome. Listen, the, the life of following Jesus is not easy. Jesus did a whole lot more of talking people out of following him than he did following him. Because it's difficult. When God gives us a burden that's too big for us to carry, and a, and a burden for lost people, and a burden for those who need him, and the burden for the least and the lowly and the nations, we cannot do it on our own. We must rely on Jesus. It's going to be difficult and the enemy hates it. That's why the Bible's a whole lot more about steadfastness and overcoming and, and being watchful for the schemes of the enemy. It is about steadfastness. It's about endurance. It's not a cakewalk. The enemy's going to try to deceive. Nehemiah, he tries to deceive you. That, no, I mean, just coast. Coast into glory. If the distractions of your life become too great, if you're so scared of what the enemy will speak out against you, and if you don't know truth, thus you are easily deceived, believer in the room, yes, the grace of Jesus is enough to cover you, and one day you will stand before the fiery eyes of Jesus. And I want you to know that you will not hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, but you will be more like the one who barely escaped the flames. Because the enemy has won. You will be useless for the cause of Christ. But with great discernment and taking captive every thought and every action and every season, with great dependence on the Lord and the Lord alone. And with clinging to the truth of who God is, we will overcome and we will be able to endure to the end. Because I love this. They came at him with everything they've got, but look what happened. Look what happened. Because he was able to overcome, because distractions and, def- and defamations and deception could not touch him because of who he was and who he clinged to, look what happened. I love this. wish we had one of those confetti poppers. Don't have one of those security team will freak out. I love this. Nehemiah 6.15. So the wall was finished. The 25th day, the month of Elul, 52 days they built that wall. In 52 days they built that wall. Look, at after four months of prayer, after adversity and spiritual warfare, after every opportunity to give up, to give out and say, I'm done. I will, I will be quiet. I mean, what the enemy's going to say, the distraction, man, this is a really good thing. I just need to focus on me right now. I need to focus on my family right now. I need, no, I can't be about the things of God. No, rather than giving into distractions and deceptions and defamations, Nehemiah was able to stand strong and endure, and it was finished. I love this. If you're at the moment right now where you think, man, I'm done, i got to give up. Man, i got to give up. It's too difficult. Look what happens when you endure. And when all our enemies heard of it, they heard it was finished, and all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. God desires a great movement to take place through his people, but in his people as well. A great movement of God that would keep us clinging to Jesus and steadfast under some of the greatest persecutions. What a worthy task to be about. God may give you a burden for your family and your, for your wife and your, and your kids, your husband, it may have been for your schools and your workplaces. It may be for the, the homeless in and, and, and our community. It may be for those who are from foreign lands who are here working and they don't have any community and loving them or, or, or exchange students. Maybe it's for the, price, uh, the crisis pregnancy centers or Isaiah 117 house. God will, listen, when you follow Jesus, He's going to call you to stuff that's difficult. Do hard things. Do hard things and do not give up. Never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever give up. But if you thought following Jesus was gonna be some cakewalk and the pastors were gonna take care of the spiritual portion, you missed it. Don't give up because in due time, in due time, the work God called you to will be complete. And the enemies and the world around us will shake and they will fear because it will be obvious that such a task was not able to be done by human might or endurance alone, but that the very power and the presence of God, man, it was obvious that God was working. Man, what would it be said of a church filled with people that connecting everybody to the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ was not just the work of the paid professional pastors on staff, but rather it was uh, everybody joining together in their own spheres of influences, in their jobs, in their marriages, and Cracker Barrels across the country. For everybody joining in online from Montana to Minnesota, to the Bahamas, to Miami, to California that you took seriously what God had called you to do and you did not shirk the responsibility, but rather you endured till the end, knowing I got your back. The people around this room, we got your back. Man, the enemy will freak out. And one day we stand before the Lord. Listen, more so than I want to hear a great sermon, more so than I want to hear a great youth pastor, a great daddy, great husband one day I want to I want to hear well done my good and my faithful servant well done good and faithful servant doesn't happen accidentally or by osmosis from your pastor it's by facing whatever it is God's called you to head on no matter what will come forsaking distractions listen some of you in this room you need to take your phone to Verizon to US Cellular and you need to get yourself a Motorola razor today Listen, are we going to take this seriously? You listen, this there's music playing and this and I'm sweating and we're in a church service and it's great. Are we going to seriously are, are we going to seriously do this? Or is next week going to look like last week? Are we going to be consumed by the thing? I mean, are we are, whatever it is that distracts you? Are you going to fix it? Are you going to take your wife or your husband and your kids off the pedestal they don't deserve? And get get on your face before God and say, "Father, Forgive me for putting even good things in front of you. I love my wife best when I love God more. I love my kids best when I love God more. Maybe you have been listening to the lies of the enemy for far too long, and they have stopped you in your tracks, and your effectiveness for the gospel has been nothing in recent days because of your past or because of some made-up lies from the enemy. Maybe today you just need to pray to God going, oh God, strengthen my hands. God, let my dependence on you grow like never before. God, I need to know what you've said of me. I need to know what you've done for me and let that be the platform in which I live my life. God, I depend on you. The enemy's coming after me. Maybe you're here today and you have felt some deception from the enemy. Listen, the enemy wants to deceive you in every single way. Listen, he's making the Bible mainstream. It's just not the Bible that we read. Listen, if if he can get you to compromise or be deceived on truth from his word, I mean, he's got you. Maybe you need to get on your face today and say, Father, teach me. God, let me desire your truth more than ever before so that I cannot be deceived by falsehoods. But maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And praise the Lord that Jesus was one who, when great distractions came, Jesus was not ever taken away from his great mission and his great heart to see that those who were sinful, which is all of us, could be redeemed. Distractions came, even good things. Hey, would you please heal this person? Listen, Jesus was overwhelmed by people who would have wanted something from Jesus and Jesus could not be, dis- be deterred even by good things. He has a great mission of God that God had put on his life and he was going to honor his father. Listen, you want to talk about somebody who was defamed. Jesus was destroyed by words. If you and I were living in those days, probably our words too. Jesus was mocked and made fun of. Falsehoods were brought, were brought up against him. You know what? He said, Lord, strengthen my hands. And he deepened his dependence on his father. Ultimately, going to the cross, which he could have missed, Why? Because he could have been deceived by the enemy when Satan took him up onto the lofty places and showed him all the kingdoms of the land and said, listen, all you have to do is bow down to me. Just worship me. Satan goes, hey, just worship me. You don't have to go to a cross. There's not going to be any uncomfortable moments or any nails or thorns. You can skip all that. Just come this way. Just bow down and worship me. Because he knew the truth and because he was the truth, he could not be deceived And it's because Jesus was able to stay, even in a sinful world that hated him and ultimately would nail him to a cross, he was able to stay faithful enough to get to the point where he says, it is finished. And not just a good work, but the greatest work in all of history, bringing about the redemption to all those who would call on the name of the Lord. For you and for me in this place today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I don't want to sugarcoat anything. Like if you give your life to Jesus, you're never going to be sick again. Life will be difficult when you give your life to Jesus. I promise that. He's going to place a burden. He's going to break your heart for things that's never broken before. Listen, give your life to Jesus today. Yeah, you get peace. You get joy everlasting. You get the ability to live the life that God has given you in abundance. But most importantly, you get Jesus